This week's podcast brought to you by Emotional Support Cellos. Our daughter has a big bed in her room, and our dog likes to sleep in the bed with her every night. And our daughter was having a couple friends sleep over, and she said to me, Mom, can you vacuum my bed? And I said, how about I wash the sheets instead? Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We sometimes vacuum our, our furniture because we have to get dog hair off our furniture. I remember a while ago, it was a couple years ago, vacuuming the living room and thinking, does it count as vacuuming if you don't vacuum under the furniture or if you don't move the furniture and get like the the fuzzes and stuff that um, get caught by the legs of, of the furniture? Does that still count as vacuuming the room? Well, yeah, of course. The problem when you vacuum under the furniture is, is hearing that and you're hearing a large object, you can't see under the couch when you're vacuuming, so you vacuum up something, and then you have to go down into the basement where the vacuum canister is and see what the Lego guy you had just hoovered up. Well, that's the thing. There's two unmistakable sounds when, when you're blindly vacuuming under something. One is a coin, because that goes up the, the metal shaft, and it makes all the noise. And then there is what is the undoubtedly the Lego. If it's under the couch, it means it's have, it's probably a Lego guy that's been played with recently and so you have to go rescue the poor lego guy who then looks like he's been through a chimney there's often a school of goldfish under the couch as well yeah we don't mind when those get vacuumed not, up, not live goldfish the food have you ever vacuumed um like anything off your clothing like while you were vacuuming you see there might be a dog hair on your pant leg or anything have you ever vacuumed yourself sure you have you haven't um, I don't know that I have, but that, that makes me think of a friend of mine who um, was vacuuming a skirt, <laughs> vacuuming, I'm sorry, a friend of mine who was wearing a skirt, noticed it was wrinkled, was in a hurry, turned the iron on, but apparently didn't have time to remove the garment of clothing and, va- <laughs> and ironed her skirt while she was wearing it. I think you might know this friend that I'm talking about and ended up burning her leg really badly so (laughs) a piece of advice it is okay to vacuum yourself it is not okay to iron clothing that you are still wearing you mentioned uh the sound of the unmistakable sound of a lego being hoovered up in the uh, vacuum um you were just telling me before we went on the air as it were that your favorite sound in life is dragging something to the trash on your laptop it's not my favorite sound in life it's my favorite sound on the computer more than music or anything else is on my on my mac is dragging yeah an item to the trash and that and the only thing that is better than that sound is when i empty the trash so anybody who has i don't know what the sound is if you do that on a um on a non-mac but on the mac it is just a crisp and brief and lovely sound and maybe because it represents cleaning up that part of my life too a non-mac is called a pc there you go 
just as a techie, I could tell you that. But uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it works the same on a PC. I don't know if there if there is sound. If you do drag stuff to the trash, or if you just like delete something. I, I don't know the whole PC process. It's been years and years since I had a PC. I'm a Mac girl all the way. Uh, that's not a paid endorsement. No, it's not from the greediest company on earth. Um, I was driving one of our daughters to school today, our oldest to high school, and a song came on the radio that I neither recognized nor could bear to listen to. And she said, this is the number two song on the Billboard charts right now. Number one is Ariana Grande's So-and-So. Number three is Ariana Grande's Such-and-Such. And And number two is this song that we're listening to now. And I said, "Can can you name me the first three presidents of the United States? And she said, yeah, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and and I said Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president. She says, oh, of course I know that. I know that. I know that. It was it. It was George Washington, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson. Now, this is early in the morning, so I cut her some slack, but she said, remember, I'm the one who memorized all the presidents oh, that's in like right. third grade. And she that's memorized right. the order of every, at the time, all 44 uh, U.S. presidents and, in order. And do you remember what motivated her to do that? Um, I don't. We had a placemat that had all of the presidents on it. And I think she was using that placemat and that triggered her to want to then memorize all of the presidents in order. I forgot she had done that. Yeah, she was like third, maybe fourth grade. Well, she said in this conversation this morning that um, my favorite president was, oh, I'm totally blanking, the one with little glasses during World War II. And I said, (laughs) Harry S. Truman? And she said, yes, Harry S. Truman. And I said, you know, the S didn't stand for anything. And she said to me, and I quote, Dad, every Harry S. Truman superfan knows that's the first fact you learn. (laughs) So she considers herself a Harry S. Truman superfan? Yes. And if you are a Harry S. Truman superfan, the first fact you learn is that the S stood for nothing. Well, I would think that if you actually are a Harry S. Truman superfan, you would, your mother would know that. Or your father would know that. I don't. I don't know that she is a super fan because I would think one of us would know that. But then again, she's fourteen. She has a whole hidden world, I'm sure, going on that uh, we have no idea. The about. interior life devoted largely to Harry S. Truman. <laughs> I had a what I thought was a fascinating conversation with a stranger last week. I was at Bradley Airport. I was flying to. What did I fly to last week? I was flying to Knoxville. But I was going through security, and the woman in front of me um, had an enormous case with an instrument in it that she was carrying on her back, and it was a cello. And as she was going through, I I actually sneakily took a picture of her um, with this cello on her back. But I was thinking, hold on, there's no way that that fits in the overhead bin or in the, you know, seat under the seat in front of her. Or through the uh, metal detector. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was, um, as she's bringing it through, um, the the guy at TSA at the pre-check um, asked her, do you have a ticket for that? And she said, yes. So now I was totally fascinated. And after we went through security, the cello, um, Did I she think ha- it actually fit through the, secu- for, through the, um, conveyor, on the belt? conveyor belt. Yeah. Did she have to produce uh, an ID? And the ticket for the cello? Well, this is what's fascinating. So we went through, and I said to her, I said, do you have to purchase a ticket um, for that that cello, for for a seat? And she said, yes. And 
And I said, how does that work? Do you do it online? Do you call in? She said, no, you can do it online. She said, it needs a name. She said, so mine is named Cello, whatever her last name was. Please tell me. She she should have named the cello after the most famous cello song. She should have named the cello Eleanor Rigby. And well, I'm disappointed that she didn't. I'm hoping that maybe she's hearing this and will well, reconsider. That I, I would hope the same thing. So the the... Cello has a name. It's Cello in her last name. And then she kept going and said it also needs an age. She said, so I had to make sure to give it an age where it's old enough to not be an unaccompanied minor. She was completely serious. And she was youngest. She had a great sense of humor. She was in her 20s, I'd say, early early 20s. And, because um, it can't travel on its own, obviously. Y- yes. And if it gets separated from her owner in the airport... That would be scary. Right. And it would, it would require some kind of... For both parties, it, it would, would be require, scary. And when she finally approaches the cello that she's lost in Terminal 2, she would have to say, cello, it's me you're looking for. Oh, good heavens. So anyway, let me finish. So so it's when she purchases the ticket, it gets a name, or she uses its name and its age. And I said, how old is it? She said, oh, this cello's easily 100 years old. Um, but it, she doesn't have it listed as 100 on the boarding pass. Um, and she said, and I thought this was the most interesting part of it. So you have to treat it like a human. You buy it a ticket. There's You pay the same exact price as you would for a person. You ha- It has a name. It has an age. And she said, but how about this? It doesn't get frequent flyer miles. So even though this thing has been on I don't know how many flights and has accrued however many miles of travel, it does not get frequent flyer miles. That's where Delta draws the line. You have to act as if this thing is a person until it's time to get the benefit of paying for the ticket and pretending it's a person, and you don't get frequent flyer miles. Has she ever been forced to gate check it? No, I don't, just like we've never been forced to gate check any of our children. Um, but the the beauty is when she's going to the airport, other than carrying this colossus on her back. I will post the picture um, on our, our Twitter page, I mean, on, on the Twitter handle at Ball and Chain Pod of this cello on her back. But think of how great that is. You don't. She doesn't have to do what everybody else in the airport does as they're sitting, looking around, trying to figure out which person is going to end up sitting next to them. She always has a buffer. She always has the cello between her and the other person in in the row and of course I'm sure everyone asks her about it like I did going through security but um but at least she doesn't have a sweaty person falling yeah. asleep on her shoulder. Most of us are worried about which buffoon is going to be sitting next to us <laughs> and I'm now hopeful that I'll be seated next to a bassoon oh. one of these days. Are they going to end at all? Are no, you just going to keep thinking ending. of them and let the, and I'm saying them during the podcast? Them. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> This was not the most pleasant travel getting to Knoxville. Getting got to Atlanta, no problem, but there was all kinds of rain and stuff going on, and so supposed to be a pretty quick connection. Instead, uh, we couldn't get a crew member in, and it took we were delayed a few hours in Atlanta um, for a flight that is 28 minutes from takeoff to touchdown to get into Knoxville. Anyway, I got on a later flight. And because I got off of my original flight and got on the later flight, I got one of the last seats in the plane. I was in the very, very last row. Couldn't recline because if you did, you hit the bathroom. That's how far back it was. That makes me think of something, if I may interrupt, which I'm prone to do. Uh, Did the cello 
recline its seat or did she recline the cello seat into the lap of the person behind her you know i don't know i hope i see this woman again so i can ask her all of these all of these questions can you imagine that can you imagine sitting behind a cello and having it recline having the human recline their cello a cello what would you a, do in that in that circumstance I, I'd, I'd let it slide if it were a cello if it were like a flute or a, a recorder <laughs> i'd be livid <laughs> How great would that be? Like, instead of just buying two seats, because I've seen people before where they, you know, they're especially if they're larger size, they purchase two seats on a plane. How great would it be if just because you wanted more room, and it's probably cheaper to purchase two coach seats than it is to purchase first class, you purchase two seats, but instead of just leaving one empty, you put like a, you buckle, a flute in it. You buckle yeah. your harmonica into yeah. it? <laughs> I, yes. I, and then, and you know, the flight's oversold and the flight attendant thinks that they can get rid of that seat. Say no, that's harmonica's seat and uh, and you can't have it. And yet if it, were, if it were a giant instrument, the flight attendant might come by and say, Madam, that's a stand-up bass. It's not allowed to sit down here. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what can of worms I've opened. But, uh, but anyway, going back to my story, when I'm sitting in the very back of a very full plane, and uh, a gentleman came and sat next to me. He was in the middle. I was in the aisle. And uh, and I had to stand up to let him sit down. So, of course, he saw that I was not your average-sized woman. He saw you were of great height. He saw that I was great height, uh, of great height. And uh, so he had been in the same situation. He'd been on my flight. We didn't know if it was ever going to take off, so he got switched to this one. So we're having a, a pleasant enough conversation. Uh, he asked me why I was going into Knoxville. He's from that area. Um, he hadn't been to a women's basketball game, um, didn't know the men were ranked number one, the whole thing. So anyway, the third member of our row came, the person sitting in the, in the window, and he sits down. And after he sat down, they start commiserating about us being in, in the last row. And I hear the guy next to me say to the guy in the window, quote, this is when you hope there's a small Asian girl next to you. And I'm sitting there as one neither small nor Asian and thinking, what is this guy thinking? We just had a pleasant enough conversation and now he's going to turn the other way and say in a, a loud enough voice, something like that. I, I, I think I that was the end of our conversation. I don't think we talked again during the course of the flight. And why Asian? I have no idea. Why, why not just Why a say, girl? Why not just somebody small to... next to you? Right. Well, he would rather have... Oh, I can understand a guy or, or, would rather have a, a or, small woman next to him. But or, yeah, I have no idea where the Asian or, or, part or came Or why in. not... This is where you wish you had an oboe in the seat next to you. <laughs> and not a lobo. And, oh, and not a lobo. If you don't mind me staying on the airport theme, a couple more things. One of them is this. So before I got moved to the later flight, as we're waiting and delayed and delayed and the Atlanta airport's very busy always but especially this night because a lot of flights were being delayed there were I'd say about 10 empty seats at my gate but each and every one of them was a handicap accessible seat which only meant it was at the end of a row and it had the 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 handicap or the um, like the wheelchair sign embedded in it and so there were tons of people standing and so I don't know that we've had this conversation before, but are you allowed to sit in a seat like that as long as as soon as somebody who 
needs it comes, you stand right up. I think I think that's the that's the point. Is yeah, I mean, there are tables at say Starbucks or something where it says you know, or or on a subway, you know, please vacate this seat for uh, somebody who needs it. Well, I think that I think that needs to be there needs to be those signs at the airport because there were tons of people sitting on the ground, tons of people standing, but a bunch of those seats, maybe 10 was an exaggeration, but at my gate, there was at least six of those seats and not a single person dared sit in them. That's good. That's that's good. It's better no, that they, that they err course. on the side of that than the other way. Of course. But I think it should also be assumed that it's okay to sit in it as long as if someone comes and needs it, you immediately offer it to them. But then that puts the person in the position of confronting you to get out of your seat. Nobody likes ejecting somebody from a seat. Well, no, but I mean, if somebody needs that seat, generally you can tell they need it. You know, maybe they have a cane or crutches or they're in a wheelchair. Is this really a, a, a major problem? It's not a major problem, but it was just it something I was problem? wondering. It's No, it's not even a minor problem. Um, but I was just wondering, like, would it, what would happen? Would it be okay? What would people think of me if I sat in that seat right there even though it's clear I'm they would think you completely were a mo- ambulatory. They What's would think that? you were a monster. They probably would. Well, what about this? So there was a guy who got on the plane, a youngish guy, I'd say in his 20s, and he had a baseball hat on with a giant marijuana leaf on the hat. What's your, uh, what's your thoughts on putting a controlled substance on an article of clothing and then wearing it proudly? Well, if it's on an article of clothing, uh, what's the big deal? If it's in an article of clothing at the airport, he's likely to be doing time and maybe even ending up on the program locked up abroad. But, but also, wouldn't that like trigger TSA to go through your bag or trigger the the you know the I don't know if it's TSA or what, but the the police I think officer it, I think it's that's there THC. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that too. You know, now that the, the government shutdown is, is no longer shut down, at least for, for a couple of weeks. Oh, the government shutdown was shut down. Well, now that the government is no longer shut down for a couple of weeks, I'm wondering this, because the last month that I've gone to Bradley Airport, there's one escalator that goes, there's an, one escalator up and an escalator down. And the escalator that goes up um, has been broken for the last month. And it, it, I was wondering, I, it, is the person who would fix this because it's at an airport, a government employee, and therefore that's the reason it hasn't been fixed in a month? I'm eager to go tomorrow to the I don't, airport. I don't think the, the government keeps escalator repairmen on retainer. I think that's the company that manufactures the escalator. Well, but I can't imagine then that it would be out of commission for a full month. Well, the most disturbing part of that is, you know, somebody got on the escalator and immediately stood on the bottom stair, as they frequently do. And are still standing there a month later. <laughs> Just waiting. Not realizing that it's not moving. I've seen that happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So anyway, that that's my experiment. Tomorrow I, I will let you know when I go to the airport if it's still broken or maybe if it's fixed, then my theory will, will at least in my head be um, there will be one step towards proving it that maybe it was a government employee who was in charge of fixing the escalator. And I think that's all the time we have. I hope you've enjoyed this special podcast on Hartford's Bradley Airport. Well, can I? Okay, this is actually my last airport-related thing, and this wasn't at Hartford Bradley. This was at uh, Atlanta Airport, and I'm sure you've seen this as you've flown now. I took a picture of it, but how they have um, the pictures that that tell you which gate to go to if you need the service area relief station for the dogs. 
What are those called again? Service Area Relief Station? Yeah, and there's a picture of a dog. Service Animal Relief Sur- Station? Yeah, but but it's it's for the service animal, but it's at least it says Service Area Relief Station, and mine said, you know, the picture said whatever gate that you were supposed what to What does go that to mean? That. Service Area Relief Station. Well, now I'm looking at the picture, and I may have written it down wrong. It's Service Animal Relief Area. So, not Service Area Relief Station. <laughs> Service Animal Relief Area, and this one says near gate B33. I, I was in a hurry, so I couldn't go to B30, B33 to see what the what that area actually looked like. But um, I am glad that we don't have to that's take the, a, an animal to the relief area to the when Sarah? we're traveling. Right, to the Sarah. That's obviously a bathroom for service animals. Am I wrong? I don't know. There's some airports I've seen where there's actually like a green fake grass area with a fire hydrant. But um, I don't know what it is in the Atlanta airport. There are also, I've seen in airports, uh, areas uh, where you can bring your service cello to have it tuned properly, or any service instrument for that matter. Keep them coming. We went out to dinner on Friday night, just you and I. Went out to dinner, a rare occurrence. You ordered a some kind of a girly drink in a in a martini glass am i wrong or am i right no you're right i don't even remember what it was but it was um it wasn't frothy it wasn't orange it was brown it had some kind of um decaf espresso in it some sort of like decaf espresso martini or something well anyway it was set down at the table and you said to me i don't like martini glasses and i said you don't like any kind of girly stuff and you your monocle fell into your soup tureen at that point, and you, you seemed to take umbrage at that. What a weird thing to say. Like, I don't love martini glasses. I don't know why. I mean, I don't mind them. But and, and martini glasses aren't even a girly thing. It's a James Bond right. drinks martinis. And, and, and yeah, in, in your response, you don't like girl. Like, what does that mean? I don't like girly things. Like, what is a girly thing? It was, it was, it, 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 I know. It's sort of an obnoxious thing to say, though. Well, it didn't even make any sense, really. I know, but it was still, there was still a, a underhanded component to it but what what was that i don't know well how about if i said to you yeah you don't tend to like manly things like how would you take that i'd say (laughs) touche no you wouldn't no you wouldn't if i said to you you know you you tend to not like manly things I, i mean i don't even know exactly what that would mean but it would definitely be it wouldn't be a compliment it, just like you saying, I don't like girly things. That's not a compliment. Just moving saying. on. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, we never explored that during dinner. So I just thought, no, you know, and, and I that, thought this and, would be an even worse time to bring it and up. And the drink and, and came at the dinner. beginning of dinner. And um, and I ignored your comment as I ignore most of the things that you say. And we still had a we had a lovely dinner. It was such a rare. And then, and then, and then when I said that, your response was, you didn't say anything, so I didn't know how to take it. But then you stabbed your lit cigar into my eye, and I thought, uh, <laughs> that was ooh, right I've, a- I've said too much. Uh, that was right after I cut your steak for you or yes. something like yes. that. <laughs> I was with our uh, older daughter yesterday at the mall. Our daughter had the day off from school. She had to have her phone fixed. Anyway, we went to Auntie Annie's pretzel because what teenage girl doesn't love an Auntie Annie's pretzel? I... I actually love the smell and the taste still of Auntie Annie's pretzels. Anyway, that's beside the point. There's a woman ahead of us in line. And the customer, this woman, asked the woman who was working behind the counter. She said, "Um, can you please replace your gloves before getting my pretzel? 
So the worker, the woman was wearing, you know, the rubber gloves. Latex, probably. Latex gloves, yeah. Unless, uh, unless they were Playtex. Yes. Then they would have been rubber gloves. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were latex gloves. But the, the part that fascinated me, because I kind of looked at the woman who made this, requ- made this request, and she, looked, and she looked back at me and nodded and smiled as if we were in this conspiracy together. By the way, she was holding the leash because she had a support dog with her. Um, the woman serving the pretzels? No, no. The woman who ordered the pretzels, who needed the gloves changed, had a was holding the leash to Was her the pretzel dog. for the dog or for the lady? It was for the lady. But And but did this mall have a, an emotional support animal relief, uh, area? relief area? I don't know. But So this was the part, though, that was interesting to me. So she asked her to change her gloves. The woman changes her gloves. And then when you've seen people get a pretzel, so... She used tongs. She grabbed the pretzel with tongs. She put the pretzel in the butter with tongs. She coated the pretzel in the cinnamon with tongs, then put the pretzel into, you know, the little thing they put it into, the little paper bag, and handed that to the woman. So her hands never came anywhere near the pretzel. They only went near the tongs. And were these pristine pretzel tongs? I don't know. But wouldn't the... the proper request the request that would make more sense would be can you please get a clean pair of tongs or can you please wash off the tongs before giving me my order not can you change your gloves is it a pair of tongs i think so is there a single tong yes there's a single tong and it can't do anything without the other one so it's a pair of tongs and so so anyway this leads me a little further down the road of I'm so glad I'm not a germaphobe. I was listening to the radio and there was an interview with Howie Mandel. It wasn't a recent interview. It was from like 2012 or something. And he was talking about how he can no longer use Purell hand sanitizer because his skin has had a really negative reaction. And the reason was a friend of his who was a doctor had gotten him the stuff that surgeons scrub up with i don't know what they use but he was using it so frequently like he messed up the skin on his hands because somehow doing that all the time is better than just being okay with the fact that you're going to get an occasional germ on your hand so i don't think you you realize how full circle you've brought this this anecdote because howie mandel of course was famous in his stand-up act for blowing up latex gloves and putting them like on his head like a like a rooster's comb and I was going to say, even before you mentioned Howie Mandel, that if I were next in line as you were, I would have then asked the lady if she could get a new pair of rubber gloves, blow them up, and put them on, on her head Howie Mandel style. Well, yeah. So we did. We came full circle. I think it's time. Let's open up the uh, old curiosity shop. Denny Gallagher, our producer, Denny with one N, shop with two Ps. Let's open Denny's curiosity shop. When the spawn meets way. Let's open the doors, Denny writes. First question he has, the two Firefest documentaries were a popular topic of conversation last week. I haven't seen the Firefest documentary yet on Netflix. Denny asks, have you guys ever attended slash been a part of an historically bad event? Now, I can't think of anything that I've attended that has been historically bad, but I just like Denny's parenthetical addition here. P.S. He writes, this podcast and Holy Days of Obligation do not count. <laughs> I like that little uh, addition by Denny. No, I've never been to a historically 
bad event, at least that I can remember. And I'd, of course, remember because it would have been historically bad. Secondly, Denny writes, it's Super Bowl week. Have you guys ever been to the Super Bowl? If so, what was your favorite experience? Who had the best party? Steve, have you ever been to the event formerly known as Media Day, now called Opening Night? I have been to one Super Bowl. I think it's the only Super Bowl I've been to. I believe it was definitely in San Diego. I think it was in 1998. It was when John Elway dove into the end zone and kind of got spun like a helicopter. And Denver, they ended up winning that, right? Yes. Okay, or else who would remember his diving into the end zone? Anyway, does Denny, he, Denny asks about Super you Bowl. Can, you can say anything you want about the Super Bowl. Okay. I remember it was a fun game, but... The reason I was there, I was part of a celebrity fashion show, a fundraising fashion show. And as part of this, I got two tickets to the Super Bowl and a hotel room and, you, you, and could bring a guest to you the brought, Super Bowl. And you brought your alto saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> and I brought my dad because my dad's a big football fan. And I just thought that would be a nice thing to do. So I was, you know, 25 years old at the time and it was just weird to be that age out of college sharing a, a hotel room with my dad I was going to say the same thing <laughs> we, we went in a limo to the um, to the fashion show, part of the fashion show anyway. Your but, dad sat in the front row as you walked the catwalk? Yeah he, he did and uh, what was fun, funny and interesting and weird for me as a kid who was only you know five years out of actually living in my parents' house was at night there'd be parties and my dad would just say, you know, have a good time. And he'd go back to the hotel room and, you know, just hang out or whatever. And uh, I remember going to a party at the House of Blues, um, a couple other parties that, but just the weird part of, you know, whenever I got back home, back to the hotel, my dad was going to be asleep in the other bed. It was just a, we had a great time. It was a nice bonding experience, but at the same time, kind of weird. Returning to the hotel at 2 a.m., your dad under his Hannibal Lecter sleep apnea mask hooked up to a... Uh, <laughs> this is before he had to wear the okay. sleep apnea mask. <laughs> uh, perhaps I've said too much. Um, I've been to three Super Bowls. I was at the Cowboys beat the Steelers in Phoenix. I was at the Metrodome. People may forget that Minneapolis hosted a Super Bowl before last year. The Redskins defeated the Bills. The Bills lost their fourth Super Bowl. Thurman Thomas forgot his helmet on the sideline, couldn't find it for the first series for the Bills. And then most recently, a few years ago, I was at um, MetLife Stadium, the Giants Stadium for, uh, who was it, Seattle, beat Denver. You brought home, they must have given you a gift bag as a member of the media at the Super Bowl because our youngest daughter, our eight-year-old, the other day was wearing the gloves you brought home for that Super Bowl. And she said, Mom, on, on the left glove, it says Super Bowl, whatever the number was. And she said, on the right glove, I forget what it even says, but it's, it's, it was sponsored by somebody. And, uh, you know, she was kind of freaked out that the, the two symbols on her gloves didn't match. Uh, Rebecca Denny writes, thoughts on billionaire Joseph Tsai buying the New York Liberty, your former team in the WNBA, um, owned by the Dolan, Jim Dolan of the Knicks forever, allowed to slide into semi-relevance, and now purchased by Brooklyn Nets owner Joseph Tsai and Alibaba co-founder Joseph Tsai. Yeah, it's really, really exciting for those of us in the WNBA. It's exciting for me as a person who used to play for the New York Liberty. It's exciting for me as somebody who now covers the WNBA. The Liberty will still this year play in Westchester because all of that was, you know, the dates had been secured and, and all of that had already happened before he, he purchased the Liberty. But I think the hope for everyone is that they will 
in the future play at in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. And uh, we As opposed to the 2,000-seat arena that they moved into where they drew 1,200 fans when they were averaging 9,000 prior to that at Madison well, it's, Square Well, you know, just a lot more difficult for the, the tried and true Liberty fans. That's what I'm saying. Of yeah. course it is. I'm not yeah. saying anything about that. Yeah. I'm saying that it was it was not a not a move that was beneficial to the Liberty. It and never was know, going to be. And for me, we didn't cover any games there because I think I don't think it's a great place to um, to televise a game from. So I'm hoping that uh, that they then move to Barkley next year in the summer of 2020 and uh, we can get to cover games there and stuff again. It's, I think it's going to make people want to make it more appealing for free agents to come to New York, you know, maybe live in Manhattan again instead of uh, living up in Westchester where you're kind of outside of the city. So, And obviously to have a billionaire owner is a good thing and um, hopefully an owner who will invest as much as he can into the players and the people who work for the organization. So I, I'm so excited that he is now an owner in the WNBA. And now it's time for viewer mail. Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. I'm going to start with one that came into our Twitter handle, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. And this is from Tanya. She said, I had hip surgery last week for labrum repair. I cannot bend to put my socks and shoes on, so, so my husband has to. After I stood up this morning, I looked down to see my socks were on the, quote, wrong feet. I may have to play last week's podcast for him because, of course, that's when we talked about your socks having the left and right symbol on them. Gosh, that that could be one of my, that would be a huge nightmare for me if if I had some sort of injury which required you to help me do things like put on my socks or um, get around. I, that would be totally the, the blind leading the me. And I'd, I'd I don't get, think I'd, I'd like that. I'd get you some sort of emotional support animal or woodwind. <laughs> I'm sure a, you know that. An emotional support human. Right. Well, speaking of that, Brian J. writes that um, the ability to be worn on either foot would be ambipedrous, he writes. A-M-B-I-P-E-D-T-R-O-U-S. And I know what he's getting at. Ambidextrous is the ability to use both hands. But... Uh, but ambidextrous, I'm afraid to inform Brian Jay, sounding as pretentious and pompous as I possibly can, is a reference to having two right hands. Uh, dex, dexterity comes from the, the, uh, the etymology is on the right. And there's actually a word called ambilevous, A-M-B-I-L-E-V-O-U-S, that refers to having two left hands. So somebody who's clumsy is ambilevous or ambilevous. So... Um, I could use that in a broadcast. Ooh, on that play, she looked Amber Levis. Yes. I think I think that would go and, over and really well with the sports viewer. Yeah, I think it would too. Um, uh, Brian adds that Dublin House is in the season two finale of The Magnificent, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, or whatever that show is called. Dublin House, where we met, and the features in this show set in 1959 on Amazon. That's good to know because I said I was excited to watch season one just to get to the finale. If I'd gotten to the finale and there was no Dublin house, I would have been quite confused. So thank you for that clarification. By the way, uh, th- that came into our Gmail account, which is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. But I also get, I mean, I received a text yesterday from my friend Dan in Milwaukee who sent me photographs of his primary, his family's primary, secondary in tertiary pantries. We so about they that. have a tertiary pantry? They have a tertiary. The tertiary pantry was really sketchy. sketchy. It, was a, it looked like a shelf in the garage. 
that had uh, boxes of cereal on it. And I said, Dan, I'm, it looks like there would be a can of Pennzoil just out of shot. And then he sent me a wider shot. In fact, it wasn't a can of Pennzoil. It was a bottle of bleach and a bottle of Murphy's oil soap. Sitting right next to, what, a box of Captain chocolate Crunch. chip cookies yes, or something? absolutely. They actually were a box of chocolate chip cookies. It, and um, I think the secondary and tertiary pantries really came into being in their heyday was after the advent of uh, Costco. Because before that, you pretty much just purchased stuff that you needed. Um, you know, even if you had coupons, it didn't really require a secondary or tertiary pantry. But right. BJ's, Co- Costco, the whole wholesale clubs that sell everything in just ridiculous bulk is the reason that we need those uh, extra pantries, but I, I think. I just like that somebody is se- sending me Texting me their 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 tertiary pantry <laughs> shots, you know. <laughs> it was just a shelf in the garage. Something particularly sad about middle age when you're getting uh, uh, tertiary pantry shots on your phone. I think there's something particularly Midwest about that too. Oh, okay, I'll I'll go with that. Uh, Dr. Gary Siegel. We haven't heard from Dr. Gary in a couple of weeks. No, I think it's okay for me to say this. I think Dr. Gary Siegel is my favorite correspondent. He, he just sends great stuff into uh, into the Gmail account, so I'm going to put that out there. I it's, think he's my favorite. It's it's right in the show's wheelhouse, I have to say that. He writes, hello, friends, and then he encloses a picture. I'm not sure if we talked about this or if we didn't talk about it. It doesn't matter. I have successfully put in order these measuring cups, having had one from each set in the drain rack, awaiting replacement to its proper home. This was not an easy task for a husband, and he encloses a photo of, you know, those Measuring cups that are like spoons in concentric, they fit in, one fits in the other and fits in the other, like Russian nesting dolls. Every measuring cup is sold like that. So yes, people understand what you mean when you talk about the oh, measuring presumably cups. Presumably people wouldn't buy six measuring cups all of the same size. It would defeat the purpose. Right. And, and, you, and I think, I've never tried to buy just one measuring cup like as a replacement, but yes, they're sold like that all as a group all nesting within one another well this is a, a catch-all email but he, he writes two parsley has no purpose i do know a joke about it but it's not for a family podcast so we can all imagine the most uh the most uh profane or blue uh, parsley joke dr siegel it's okay to, to send us the joke we won't um we won't share it on air but uh but steve and i would still like to hear the uh, joke i'm sure it's horrifying uh dr siegel writes that cling wrap slash saran wrap is an evil product created to frustrate men uh i thought i was the only one who who despised cling wrap whenever i i try to cover a bowl with it and i think i'm going to get a nice smooth you could bounce a quarter off it it always goes horribly wrong and I ended up with a with a crumpled ball of of cling wrap that i thought I'd bounce into the trash. And then I get frustrated because I know when you've ripped off a piece of the cling wrap because you leave the rest of the roll a mess. But let's I want to revisit a second Dr. Siegel's uh, email and talking about the measuring cups because anytime I use a measuring spoon, a teaspoon, a tablespoon, which I use frequently making a variety of recipes, if I put them in the dishwasher, I know that the next time I go to find them, if you have unloaded the dishwasher, it's going to take me forever because you don't put them back where I keep the measuring spoons and you never put them back in the same place. Like sometimes it's in the drawer where we keep the the silverware, which is also where I keep the measuring spoons. Sometimes it's in a different drawer where we keep the measuring cups. Sometimes I found them in a drawer where we keep the spoon rest or larger serving spoons. Anyway, it is a total um, wild goose chase for me when uh, if you have unloaded the dishwasher 
because you have no idea, even after living in this house for 15 years, where we where I keep the measuring spoons. T.S. Eliot. This makes me think of T.S. Eliot. <laughs> I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. I've, I've measured out my life in, in measuring spoons. You've measured out my life in measuring spoons. Also, T.S. Eliot is an anagram of toilets. <laughs> I thought you were going to say T.S. You thought of T.S. Eliot because teaspoon is... TSP. Well, yeah, well, that's also true. Uh, T, the TS in T.S. Eliot stands for teaspoon. <laughs> As every T.S. Eliot super fan, that's the first well, fact you learned. I think the the first, S is silent. The, I S, think, the S stands for nothing. I think the first f- fact every super fan of T.S. Eliot knows is that its name is an anagram for toilets. Okay. Um, Josh in Wyoming sends a photograph. Uh, I, won't, uh, I won't be able to describe it to you. But he, the caption says it all. I'm in Seattle, and my Uber driver is sitting on a booster seat. And he encloses a picture from the back seat of the Uber driver. Not really an Uber confession, but, um, but I enjoy it nonetheless. Can you, I mean, can you imagine um, needing to sit on a booster seat to drive? I just can't imagine the life of the extraordinarily short because um, it's because you never lived be, it because you're excessively tall exactly I'm excessively tall I can't imagine what it's like to be on an elevator and not to be have a clear view of everything or I just can't can't imagine the life of the the really short person <laughs> I want to I don't want to write one but I would like to read a book called the would you say the extraordinarily short excessively short the, ex- the extraordinarily short and the gratuitously tall <laughs> yes. And and uh, and please write a part for the guy who is sitting next to me on the plane to Knoxville. Um, I'm gonna have to cut you off there because John sends to the Gmail account. For the record, my wife is the interrupter in chief in our household. So we're, some of these gender stereotypes about cling wrap and you not liking girly things, uh, we're gonna explode those now because in John's uh, house, the wife, his wife, is the interrupter in chief. Our adult daughter will back me up on this. I sometimes fear for her hearing, as it doesn't seem that she even knows that I'm speaking. Uh, I've had that experience on occasion, John. John with no H, by the way. On a somewhat serious note, there is an excellent book written by Deborah Tannen. The book is called You Just Don't Understand. She's a professor of linguistics uh, and writes about the differences starting in early childhood in the manner of communication between men and women. Highly recommended. It opened my slash John's eyes. I've never um, wondered about your hearing when you've interrupted me. I've wondered about your manners, but never about your hearing. I think that's just fine. <laughs> You've frequently said that I'm not hearing you, I'm not listening to you, that I, I'm not paying attention. No, you're, I've never questioned if you're hearing me. I, I still frequently question whether you're listening to me. I know my voice is is bouncing off of your eardrums. I just also know that your brain is completely somewhere else. Uh, John also writes that, Rebecca, you couldn't stand the thought of suffering with the flu in a hotel in Waco. Um, he assumes it was a reasonably nice hotel. John writes that while searching for employment in Manhattan right after college, he spent a couple of days with the flu in a single dark, dingy room at the Y near the garden. Not sure if that's even there anymore. Probably been spruced up if it is. Do you remember a Y near the garden? Um, I don't remember a Y near the garden, but uh, I could, I, I can imagine that would be a okay. pretty horrible place to have the flu. Well, well, that was John with no H. Now we come to John with an H. Stephen, Rebecca, no, I do not model my personal haircut after my sons. We talked in last week's podcast oh, about him. fathers who, thankfully, I've been getting the same haircut at Astor Place since I came to New York City for college in 1987. I will admit that my son's haircut does look similar to the ones I had as a young boy. So the son is modeling the haircut after the dad. That's a new twist. Uh, when he goes off to college, hopefully, we'll have to see if he changes it up. 
Unrelated side comment, I used to want to share a few Guinnesses with Steve and Rebecca at the Dublin House, the aforementioned Dublin House. While that still sounds great, I now am also interested in doing the same with Rodney and Maraid at Emerald Inn. We can call it Boils. There we go. Side comment to side comment, haircut reference son is age five and reading has been non-existent on my part since his birth. Shame on me. Your podcast inspired me to read again and the pint man was the one. I feel like I got my reading groove back, so thank you. Well, for those who don't know, The Pint Man is the novel that you wrote. Rodney and Maraid were the names of the main characters. And uh, Boyles, is that the name of the bar in, in uh, The Yeah, and, it's, and the Dublin House is the real-life bar where, where you and I met. Our first date was at the Emerald, the Emerald Inn, Inn. And, and there was a bit of both of those places in, um, in the novel. Um, Gary with, I'm sorry, Gary, Jerry with a G. That's not and two R's. Okay. <laughs> That's not abnormal. No, no, it's not abnormal at all, and it's and it's and it's uh, what you would expect from from ball and chain listeners. I'm listening to this week's podcast and had two thoughts. One, I too disliked the endless CVS receipts, but then realized that you can set up your account to have them sent by email. No more paper wasted, and you can just hit delete when you don't need it anymore. Did you know that? I did not know that until somebody um, sent me a message on Twitter saying just that, and I'm I'm thrilled to know that. Well, well this is, thrilled this may be an overstatement, but I'm happy to know that so we no longer waste all that paper. Point two of Jerry with, with the 1G and two R's. Regarding people driving at night without headlights, I will also signal people coming towards me to turn on their lights and also often see they don't get why I'm flashing them, parentheses, with my lights. <laughs> they always get why he's flashing them without the lights. Harder still is trying to let someone behind me know their lights aren't on. I've had the same problem. Somebody's driving behind you. Yeah, their there's lights no way on. to let them know. There, there, there isn't, is. but Jerry has a solution if only somebody uh, can make this happen. If I flash my lights, th- then the car in front thinks I'm doing it to them and gets annoyed. The car behind won't know. So one time at a light, I got out of my car to let the person behind me know their lights weren't on. They waved their acknowledgement and turned them on. Only after afterwards did I realize that they could have gone completely, that it could have gone completely wrong if the person behind me thought I was going to do something different and reacted in a different way, which has led me to think that it would be great a great invention to have some type of LED message board that could run on the front or back of your car to inform people of these things. Quote, excuse me, fellow driver, but your lights are not on. Or, quote, your rear tire is flat. Or, quote, you left your purse on the top of your car. I realize this, too, could go horribly wrong. Sincerely, an amused listener. And I Well, of I course, have, though, this is the thing, if I can throw this in. Go ahead. If you're putting it in the front windshield for the car in front of you to see, you know, your rear tire is flat or, or whatever you wanted to see, it would have to be written backwards. That would be easy. easy they would enough. be reading it in their rearview mirror. You could just, as you do voice to text, you could do a voice-activated message board. But what what he's driving at, and I and I completely see this. This would be misused most of the time. It would be uh, instead of flipping somebody the bird or laying on the horn, <laughs> people would be uh, uh, typing obscene messages on their on their little little ticker. But they could personalize them to the the specific car. (laughs) Actually, I think it is, if it was going to be used in that way, it it would sell huge. You'd have to pretend in an infomercial and stuff that it was, you know, to tell people things that were helpful. But once people realized it had the the other effect. Weaponized. Yeah, that it could be weaponized. It would really, uh, really sell well. That needs to be on Shark Tank. It would be like a living organic bumper sticker. Because the message could change not only daily, but... By the minute. By the minute. This also sounds hugely dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is from Maggie. Hi, Steve and Rebecca. Your story in this week's podcast about someone flashing their headlights took me back to last year and a night I'll never forget. 
The night of January 19th, 2018 wasn't typical for me. It was late, around 11.30 p.m., when I'd pulled up my street and noticed a car with its lights off coming down the hill towards me. I turned my headlights off, then on, so they would possibly turn their lights on. When the car kept coming, I worried it was going to run into me, so I honked my horn as a warning. At this point, I was stopped and waiting to turn into my driveway, and the car pulled up very close next to me. The guy rolled down his window and was yelling. Next thing I know, he points a gun and fires one shot in my direction, then speeds off. Thank God, all caps, that shot did absolutely nothing. No damage to me or my car. My mom likes to think my guardian angel blocked the bullet while others speculated it was a gun that fired blanks. Regardless, I learned a few things that night a year ago. Life is so short and can truly change in an instant. Call 911 immediately, even if no, quote, damage is done. I won't ever flash my lights at someone again. Have friends who stay up late and will pray over you. God is merciful and isn't finished with me just yet. Now, if you read this email, you would be like... Do I believe this happened? I know Maggie. Maggie's a friend of mine that I met back in New York when I was um, playing for the New York Liberty. If she, I believe 100% of that story. Well, of course it happened. Absolutely. But it's just it, because it's an un, there, it's unbelievable, but it's It's incredible, but nothing about yes. America makes it unbelievable. True. Lastly, this comes from Jay. Hi there, Rebecca and Steve. I believe we had the same reaction as you guys did when we received the snowstorm email from the church. Jay also got an email from his church during a snowstorm saying that uh, you couldn't come to Mass, but uh, how about hooking up electronic giving? So even when you're not here, you can put something in the collection plate. Two, Steve, knowing that Rebecca really enjoyed the meatball and pasta soup and that she wanted to make that recipe again, I thought it was brilliant that you helped her out and gave her a head start by saving the step of having to make fresh broth. <laughs> there you go, Jay. Yes, that's what Steve was because doing. Last saving week, the broth. Last for me. week we talked about Rebecca made uh, meatball soup in a crock pot uh, that I was supposed to serve to the kids later. I didn't realize it was soup. I just thought it was meatballs in some kind of meatball juice and use it use the slotted spoon to serve the soup on on a plate. 3. Being the leading authorities that you are, perhaps you should use your soapbox to address the shutdown. Yes, you've briefly mentioned the TSA, but I mean the shutdown, the shutdown of the production of Candy Hearts. He links to a Fortune article, Candy Hearts Not Being Produced This Year. And this is true. This has been in the news that uh, Candy Heart production for Valentine's Day, there will be no Candy Hearts this Valentine's Day. Is it because the company that made them is no longer in business? Well, What's the reason I, I don't know. No I, 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 I'm too lazy to click on the link, and this is in a printed out sheet of paper, so I can't. But it was always the Necco wafers, the New England candy company, that made those those chalky candy hearts. Yeah. So Jay asks, how am I to make a romantic gesture without a heart-shaped piece of chalk that has in a fog or a pen pal or go fish stamped on it? Well, he, he adds a secondary parentheses or tertiary question. Would anyone even notice if stores just put out the leftover stock from 2018? Right. Well, I remember as a kid, I never liked the taste of those hearts. Nobody but, did. But it was always fun looking through at the messages on them. And then as our kids um, got them over the course of the past couple of years, I would shake my head because, you know, it would say, email me or text me or those kind of things. Right. That, they, tried um, to, they tried to stay contemporary. Yeah. They should have just left it the way it was. Uh, it should, you know, should still be, they should still sell those in, you know, stores that sell candy that people only buy for nostalgia, like bit of honey. No one ever's ever liked the flavor of that. But it, or what you call it? No, that doesn't count. Um, those taste, taste delicious. But, uh, but yeah, it'll, I wonder if any of our kids not knowing th- that there are no candy hearts will say anything about wishing they had gotten some of the candy hearts. But our kids are still in the, uh, are, are still 
at least our younger ones, making Valentines for everybody in the class or buying Valentines for everybody in the class. And our youngest brought a, what is it, a half-gallon milk carton yes. to school, and they can chop the top off and make a, a Valentine's mailbox out of that. I'm just hoping that it dries sufficiently. The almond milk scent will have... Will yeah, have, the almond milk won't be as bad as a regular milk carton, but those could, could get kind of sticky. I think the only thing with a longer shelf life than candy hearts is almond milk. Yeah, that's true. It usually expires about three years down the road. Yeah, don't even have to refrigerate it. And speaking of expiring three years down the road, I'm referring to me, on behalf of myself, I love when people say that, and you, Rebecca, is it time for our friends? To play us out? I've got one more thing I wanted oh, to bring please, up. Oh, please, please, by one, all means. One more thing to bring up, and, and this is this is it. The Connecticut Sun uh, basketball team, based here in Connecticut, is doing something, I think, really fun, and I'm glad to be a part of it. On February 12th at 7 p.m., they're doing hosting something called a conversation uh, with Sue and Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, and I get to MC it. And um, if anybody knows anything about Diana Taurasi, they know that you don't ever know what's going to come out of her mouth. Sue Bird is one of the funniest, most interesting people I know. So, um, if you're a season ticket holder of the Connecticut Sun, the event is free. If you're not a season ticket holder, if you pay, I think it's $100, you can come, but that $100 will then go towards a ticket package. So if anyone wants to come, and and I I figure I'll just introduce them, and then they'll just start telling all their great stories from from their years playing together or not together. But again, that's February 12th, and it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, last public service announcement, uh, swag. We've sent swag... Around the world, we've gotten pictures. We got a picture today, I think, of a fridge magnet in the Swiss Alps. Everywhere in the world, but Delaware, I should say. But if you've requested swag and haven't received it, I put some in the mail a few days ago. So hopefully that's on its way. If if somehow it slipped through the system, there is no system. Just send us an email to ballandchainpod at gmail.com, and we'll send some out. Uh, Rebecca, you said to me the other day something about my not having a system to keep track of this. Oh, I, I said to you, do you know who you've sent the swag to? Or, or maybe it was just, do you know which towns? I think that's what it was. Do you know which towns you've sent the, the swag to or how many um, you've sent to certain states? And you said, of course not. I don't keep track of that. And you said? I said, well, that's something I would do. So yes. And, and, you I, got and I, angry said, with I would me. say it was something you would do <laughs> if you were sending out the swag, which right. you're not doing. But that, but that, see, you got annoyed with me. That wasn't my point. My point was not to, to, pick on you for not doing it my point was to say like that's kind of the anal personality i have that that's something i would have done i would have kept a neatly written record of where the swag had gone anyway i know what i think we should do because it's been cool to get these pictures of the magnets in different places we're going to start keeping track of the the pictures that come in and who sends them and i got one from a, a pub in scotland in the last week and without, Somebody on a train in the Swiss Alps, I think. Without having any criteria other than you and I are going to choose, you know, maybe, I don't know, in a couple months, whoever sent us the coolest picture or the coolest place of our magnet will send them an awesome shirt that well, Denny had made up uh, for Ball and Chain. Why, why pit these people against each other in some kind of uh, Darwinian competition? Because for, I want to I see the magnet in cool places. You I, see, I want you everyone's wanna, creativity to come through and enjoy, to share it Enjoy with us. seeing the magnets in cool places and then select one at random to... Uh, okay, to, that's a good idea. We can do that. We'll select one at random 
and uh, and send that person one of the cool shirts that Denny because had made. Because there's up. nothing worse. There's nothing more uh, uh, unseemly than when they shoot the T-shirt cannon into the crowd, which is basically what you're suggesting here, a, a metaphorical shooting of a T-shirt cannon into a crowd, and then seeing grown-ups forearm shivering each other to, to get to a, a usually a, a quadruple XL T-shirt that costs 95 cents to, to manufacture. First of all, it's nothing like that. Second of all, that reminds me of a time I was calling a Connecticut Sun game and I was so, you know, we're sitting right there and the cheerleader or whatever, the pep squad, whoever shoots off the t-shirt cannon, I think before they had aimed it completely to the upper deck, they like pressed it and the thing came flying right by me with an, with an incredible force. If it had hit me, it would have really hurt. So um, you don't want to be in close proximity when the T-shirt cannon goes off. That's yeah, just an aside. Wouldn't it be a fitting end? I mean, a tragic end, but a fitting end to someone who spent their life in basketball uh, and the, the end of their life in basketball on the sideline at an announce table uh, being, being felled by an assassin's T-shirt, fired from a T-shirt gun? You have told me in the past that Whenever you this is after I pass. Whenever you expire, you want your remains to be put into one of those t-shirt cannons, and whoever you're most frustrated with at the moment, you want me to shoot your remains in that person's face. So it's all comes comes full circle. She turned the confetti cannon on herself. <laughs> Tom Dick and, and Harry. On that note, <laughs> play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.